beautiful day today, beautiful uh, singing and praises before our Lord this morning, sharing with him. Today begins a series that will go for four weeks. It's apologetics or in defense of the faith. And as I mentioned last time, we could call it this, but perhaps you would prefer the gift of gravity. We will look at that. Now, I need to have a disclaimer, and that is I am not a scientist. I was not trained as a scientist. I was got my thing in theology and in ministry. So don't look at it to say, oh, let's see the great scientist that Bill Bossert is. You'd be sadly disappointed. So not that. But several weeks ago, one of you, and I don't know who it was, you may not want to confess this at this time, but one of you handed me uh, and showed me this book called Unbelievable. And it was uh, written by Justin Burley, and he was writing, and he said, why, after 10 years of talking with atheists, I am still a Christian? So I was kind of fascinated by that, and I was reading that. And so this, I went through that. I said, there are parts of this I would like to share with you on Sabbath morning that might help you as you go in your way. Now, Justin, he is a radio, a Christian radio talk show host in England. So I don't get him here. I suppose if I went online, I could. But but I've never heard of this guy before. But he has this radio talk program where he invites people to come in and discuss. So usually you'll have sometimes an atheist or a naturalist or somebody will come in and then there will be a Christian and they will have this debate. Very interesting. Well, he moderates this debate. And it's very fascinating things that he's been doing over the last 10 years. So in his book, in writing in this book, he's sharing those experiences and he's coming up with some of these answers. So you might find that book interesting to read as well. This will be a highlights. But he writes, if Christians want to reach out and share their faith, they need to be prepared for the arguments that they will encounter. And I think this is simply a reflection of the passage in Scripture from Peter who said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. That answer, giving of that answer, sharing with that. So this morning, we begin a journey. And it basically comes down to the great conflict that's happening not only um, within our society, but around the world. And as the world grows, as the world happens and goes place. The question that comes up is, is there a God? Does God exist? And the challenge of this debate that takes place that is being taught in our universities and colleges and in our high schools and now down elementary, that science is warring against that there is such a thing as a God. And therefore, if you are really going to be dealt with the facts and with science, you have to rule out God. And the question is, and they raise it, do you have any proof that there is a God? Do you have any question about that? And it appears often that this is settled science, you see, that, uh, don't you love this guy sitting there? Um, That is settled science, so that's already everybody knows. And so those of you who believe in God or have some type of spiritual thing are are just weak people. And you're not really, really being helpful in that. So... Settled science in that thought. He goes on and adds, We are rarely granted absolute proof of anything in life. Rather than seeing doubt as an enemy of faith, 
I've come to see it as an inevitable part of the process of making sense of our beliefs. So in his discovery on his radio program, as they've been talking back and forth, he said these proofs that are go, these doubts that are the doubts prepare a way for me to establish my faith, not lead away. I thought that was kind of fascinating. He went on in quotes from that, from uh, Werner. He said, the first gulp from the glass of natural science will turn you into an atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. Amen. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, so this morning, we would like to look at several things. And one of them has to do with naturalism. That is the view that everything naturally came about and as it came up. So in naturalism... The view that all that ultimately exists in matter, the hard stuff, and in energy around it, is directly or interacting according to the blind force of nature. However, however much we humans and the world we inhabit may have the appearance of design, we are in fact the chance byproduct of an unguided set of physical processes. So that means that concept of naturalism, that this kind of just happened to come together out of kind of a chaotic existence of thing, and things kind of finally came together after billions of years, as it came, and eventually it came up, and here we are. And that was the byproduct of the natural growth of, of things as they went about, the natural view. Up against that, on the opposite side of that, is the concept of theism, or we would say as Christianity, the belief in God. And in theism, in that view, that is the view that there is a supernatural dimension to life. Now, in naturalism, no, that doesn't exist. You don't look at the spiritual world. But in theism, the belief that there is a God, that there is somehow, no matter what denomination you may belong to, or what a great world religion, that concept that there is a supernatural dimension. There's something beyond the world that we see right here. So when we say we come into God's house, we come into his presence, it is under the belief and the concept that God is present. Wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus said, you are gathered in my name and I am present. So matter and energy are part of the story but in theism, they don't constitute the fundamental reality. It is all meant to be. There is a loving God behind that story that got it going and happening. And that personal, God personally came, involved us as humans, and we saw that in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, so the question becomes, well, which version is true? Is it naturalism? Which appears, the first of the science behind it? Or is it? Theism, where there is a supernatural God behind it. That, that question raised and that debate rages now on earth, unless you think it is subtle science. So I would like to share with you three disputed areas with you this morning. Talk, remember, I'm not a scientist, so don't nail me on this, but we will look at this for just a little bit. The first area of dispute is the concept of intelligent design or ID, intelligent design. That is, biological systems that somehow came together. Now, we look at DNA. And some of you know far more about it. It's very hard for me to get a picture of DNA, and you have have to realize how hard it was for me to get that picture. 
It doesn't pose easy. But there are 23 chromosomes that are assigned to us, and in that DNA. And so if you're a theist and you think, you see God's hand guiding in that 23 chromosomes. I understand that potatoes actually have more than we do, but I find that really hard to believe. But the DNA, that. And then on the other side, if you are in the other side, in the natural system, you say that, well, the DNA proves it. So this debate rages back and forth about DNA, and we don't get anywhere. doesn't happen. Get there. So that debate going on. The second is the Big Bang cosmology. What are we talking about? Well, there was a Belgium priest by the name of Georges uh, Lemaitre, and he was a professor of physics. And he was studying astronomy, the physics of astronomy, in the 60s. And he noted something. And his notice of that was that the universe was continuing to expand. He noticed as he was following the math and physics, if you were to look at the Milky Way, in other words, that part of it, the Milky Way would get larger and larger. This is going around. It spins at 168 miles per second, the Milky Way. You didn't realize you were moving that fast this morning, did you? You're spinning around, going in the Milky Way. And then we're just a little dot in that Milky Way, a little blue planet, and our sun, a little part of that is going on. But he noticed, this priest and physicist, this professor, noticed as he would look at the math and science of things that the universe was expanding and getting larger. It revolutionized the thinking in the world of science as other scientists began to say, yes, indeed. Look how the universe is getting larger. Things are getting and spreading apart. Well, Fred Hoyle came by. Fred Hoyle is a, an atheist, but he came by and he developed the concept. He was a, a great uh, physicist. He looked at that work and he said, this is what is called, and he named it, the Big Bang Theory. You ever heard of that? Big Bang Theory. That all of a sudden things bang and started going and spreading and going on. So now, if it is expanding and continuing to go out in the universe, now the physicists say, so if you were to put the movie in reverse, if you were to look backwards and start going back, then the universe would be going smaller and smaller and smaller. That theory, that idea, leads you back to that there must be some sort of a Initiation point. So, so if it's coming back, coming, getting smaller and smaller, and they say about 14 billion years, I wasn't there present at that time, so I can't tell you, but as it went back, getting smaller and smaller, about 40, just continued to get back, eventually you get the universe to the size of the earth. And then if you keep going farther back, 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 then it gets to the size of a basketball. And then if you keep going back farther and farther, it goes back to the size of a tennis ball, if you're following this, and eventually it gets down to the size of a dot. If you were to follow the mathematical theory all the way back down, do you understand that? So the question then, the question that that raises in your mind, 
to go. So what caused the universe? How did it get going from the bang? If it started out and going all the way back and we are all found in this, how did it get going? How did it get back that far? Well, Stephen Hawkins, who just uh, recently passed away, said there was initial singularity. There was initial one, initial spot that happened. And so the scientist, the observer, the physicist has to ask, so who set things off? How did that get going? How did that get going? And there's only one clear candidate, and that is God. Only one clear candidate fulfills that requirement. The third aspect of debate is the fine-tuning of the universe. The fine-tuning. Now, I've heard people say this, and maybe you have too, I can't believe I even exist. Well, that is really true. Because in reality... If you go by scientific standards, human existence is incredibly improbable. If you go by scientific scientific standards. So what we have in the universe is the fine-tuning of the elements from chemistry to physics to matter to atoms to neutrons to all that that's happening. Burley goes on to write, Some 30 or so fundamental numbers, such as the force of gravity and the ratio of electrons to protons, mass in the universe, are so exquisitely balanced that the tiniest fluctuation from their actual value would mean that the universe capable of producing life simply could not exist. Could not exist. Therefore, I come back to gravity. Gravity. What goes up must come down. Now, every one of you are grateful for gravity this morning because you're able to walk around and not just float off. And there we go. So gravity. Maybe you would like to fly, but you fly somewhere you want it eventually to come back down and to land. This Tennis ball actually belongs to my granddaughter who is taking tennis lessons. And she gets her rackets out and makes that thing. She can clean my clock. That little 12-year-old girl. Tennis. But her whole game relies on gravity. Has to happen. Gravity has to happen. So there was a man whose name was Sir Isaac Newton, and he was out walking, and as he went underneath a tree, an apple tree, an apple fell and hit him square on the head. Ouch. And he picked up the apple and he began to think, why does the apple fall down instead of up or some other way? And he began to theorize about that there must be something that's pulling that apple down, making its way. There must be something that pulls that thing to make it happen. Gravity. Gravity pulls it down, makes it happen. 
So he was talking about that there is, just as the moon goes around the earth, we know now that there's an electron that goes around protons and all kinds of things to make mass, to make the things pull together. We as scientists know about that. Maybe you in school learned about protons and electrons, and you know how all that works. I don't, but I assume that it's true. And so gravity becomes the superglue of the earth. The universe is held together by gravity. So the moon stays circling around where it's supposed to. And the earth stays where it is supposed to, going around the sun. And it has to make that match. So how fine-tuned is gravity? So that you don't get crushed to the ground, or so you don't fly off. It's interesting when the uh, astronauts went and walked on the moon. It was kind of fun to watch them bouncing, wasn't it? Do you remember that? Uh, I forget which one it was. It got out with his golf golf tails, put a golf ball down, and he could hit that thing. That golf ball went forever on hitting that out because gravity is different on the moon. So what about gravity? It is such a very tiny, small part of life. Each and each gravity is it pulls. So here's the math. And I'm not, you'll have to do it. So, so gravity is one part to 10 to the 60th power. One part to 60. That's the math that you need to have gravity. So if you are a math whiz, you've got that. If you need to have more support than that, this is how it looks. One to one of those. And if you need more than that and do it and need to read it, you would say one part to one trillion, 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 trillion is what you need. So in reality, if it's off a little bit, we're in deep trouble. Because it's it's such a small little thing that then pulls on all your protons and and electrons and and your mass and it keeps you to the earth. Some of us have more to pull down than others. But that's the truth of it. So the question we have to ask is, so what are the chances of hitting that tiny life-permitting value by accident that it just chaotically came together. What are the chances of that? Which then leads us to why do we even exist at all? Why do we exist in the first place? For those who want to ask why, atheists' only answer seems to be that it is a massive coincidence. Now, I had a young man come into my, he was in his mid-twenties, mid to late-twenties. He came into my office, and he married, had a little little uh, girl, and he came to visit me, and he said, um, he walked in, and his name was Skip, and Skip, yeah, he said, I, I want to become a Christian, I've been an atheist, I want to become a Christian, and I want to become a Seventh-day Adventist, and I said, well, that's good, that's a good idea, so. Uh, what do you, and he said, I am a Olympic bicycle racer. 
And I'm number three in the world, and I do the Tour de France. Ooh. I had to go over and see his bicycle. They hand make those bicycles for those racers. I don't know if you knew that. And they fit them exactly to their body. So I'm looking at it. He competed in the Mexico Olympics and um, on the track. He also did the track thing where you run around where they have no brakes. Have you seen that? Where they four, they go racing around on the track. So he did that. And I saw his bike and I said, can I ride it? No. No, you can't touch my bike. But the problem he had had in science when he was teaching, and as he was looking at it, was he couldn't get over the consequence of the massive coincidence that it would require. And that led him from being an atheist to being a theist. And then he opened his Bible and looked. But in the Christian, in the Christian understanding, it tallies perfectly with what we would expect to find from a God of order and purpose who wants us to explore the universe we find ourselves in and perhaps in the process see the creator's own fingerprints embedded in the very fabric of physical reality. That in the world we look around and as we look more closely, finding at the bottom of the glass, we find God there. So what are the signs of the creator being present? I think what makes Justin's show, his talk show go, is that he doesn't try to shove things down people's throats. He lets them think it through for themselves. But I believe that Christians, theists, have a very good answer for many of the challenges of the scientific world around us to the process that there is a God. And not to be flatly dismissed as some kind of myth, some kind of thing. Because I believe if you look closer and look at reality clearer and follow the trail, you might find answers and signs that God is present, that there is something outside. So for these next, for these four weeks, we will look at some of those processes, those things that deal about our existence, about God, and about what his involvement in the universe. And I invite you to hang in with those to come and be part of that as we look at that. Therefore, we have a reason within us to praise our God for him revealing himself and not leaving us just to stammer and say, oh, you just, you just need to believe. There are good reasons. Come, Jesus said, come let us, the scripture says, come let us reason together, says the Lord. Let us reason together, look together, come and see for yourself. Come and examine he didn't shut people off and say, oh, just blindly believe. We don't blindly believe. We believe on the evidence that God has given to us. And based on that, we move forward. Dear Lord, I thank you for gravity. We take advantage of it every single day. We live our world with gravity, but it's so finely tuned.
and it makes it work for all of us that our life could exist without without the gravity in perfect balance we could not survive so by your great mind behind it all by your ability to know and to create to speak the world into existence we see your handprint we see your touch we see your love we see your involvement for those of us lord who are still struggling with that bless them be with them help them as we journey together in jesus name amen